Um, and so if we're always focused on, oh my gosh, what does everybody else need? We might forget that, oh, I actually need rest or I need food or I need a hug or I need um, whatever I need. But if, so that's that other piece of like, it gives you the ability to step back from what other people need all the time. There's enough, there's other people, but it also gives you the ability to say, and I have needs too. And they're just as important to be tended to. Kim. I am Camille, and this is Enneagram for the Culture, where two dope Black therapists discuss how therapy, Blackness, and the Enneagram come together. Slow it down. You switched it up on me there. Slow it down a little bit. This is the remix. The remix? (laughs) How was that? That was good. That was good. Hi. Hi. Here we are. We ready? I'm ready. Let's jump in. Today we're doing, we're talking about Enneagram twos. Um, so we're jumping into the heart triad, um, but we are going to spend time on twos and their holy idea and all the things that make two special. This is going to be great. Takes twos. <laughs> all right. Hey, how did the Enneagram show up for you this week or recently? Me first. Okay. first. Me first. first. All right. Me first is that um, I felt like this was a growth moment, a gro- a seven growth moment. Oh, I know. Exciting. Um, it starts off sad. That's why oh. it's a, an Enneagram growth moment for sevens, right? Because the story oh. starts off sad. Is that I was going to on a trip and it was a really special trip and it was going to be for a whole week uh, with my sister. And we were so excited. Like I left work the day before and I remember saying, I feel like I have champagne in my body right now. Like I just, (laughs) I felt like a champagne bottle. I love that. How excited my body felt. And I, I just remember saying that I had a meeting after work and I remember like walking and being like, I feel like I've got champagne in my body. Like just so excited. And so we're so stoked. We're ready. And then we wake up the next day for the travel day. We both live in different cities and immediately it's just downhill to, I mean, her flight gets canceled. She has to reroute somewhere. I get to the airport. My flight gets canceled. I have to reroute somewhere. Then they're saying I can't go today. So we reroute to something for tomorrow. But then that flight got canceled. And then we're both also on the phone trying to like rearrange all this stuff. Um, then they like bumped me off of a flight. So I had to like call again to figure this out. I had to, and then, so basically we lost a whole day. We were going to have to travel the next day and we, and I had to go rent a car. I had to, um, we had to cancel reservations that we had at different hotels and day trips. It was horrible. And I was so sad, like just sad. Like I, that was the only emotion. I wasn't even mad. I couldn't even be mad at the situation. I wasn't fresh. I was frustrated, but I wasn't angry. I was just devastated. Um, and just, I just let myself cry and I let myself be sad and just like sit on my couch with my packed bag in the doorway, ready to go. (laughs) 
fucking sick. I had no, I had no food in my house because I had, you know, gotten rid of everything. So I had to like eat, like I had some Cheez-Its and like get like. Oh, <laughs> it was horrible. It was horrible. And so, so, so sad. And usually in the past, I would have kind of like done like the silver lining thing or just been like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And just like kind of forced the okayness. Um, but I really was so sad. And Mm -hmm. then you kind of are like, Oh no, is the sadness going to like permeate into the rest of the week? Like, is this going to set the tone? Um, and I remember actually, like you'd reached out to be like, "How's your travel day? Like exciting?" <laughs> like, and I was like, "Girl, <laughs> I was like, we're, I'm at home. <laughs> this is what happened." And um, you were so sweet, just so kind, and was able to be like, "I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry." Um, and I should have pulled it up already, but you had texted me and you said, um, "You basically were like, I know this is really sad, but there will be joy." There, I know that they're sad right now, um, but I know that joy will come. Um, I actually found it. It said, um, disappointment and fear just have the spotlight. Excitement is still there and it'll be back in all its glory because it's still going to be magical and now even more meaningful. And it was such so a, you said that. That's so good. That's so good stuff right there. Does that happen to you in therapy? A client will be like, I remember you said this thing. And I'm like, oh God, what did I say? And all then- <laughs> the time, all the time, all the time. And I'm like, oh, what, it, what, what? I get they so say I'm nervous. Like, <laughs> I'm like, yes, I'm right. I did say that. It happens all the time. Or all sometimes time. I'll say something and I'm like, I actually really don't think I said that. Like, I also think happens all the time. I think that's somebody else. Like, <laughs> that doesn't sound like my language. Or they'll say something and I'm like, that's what you remembered of like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was the tidbit from that session. Okay. That's cool. Um, but as you did say that it is in writing, it is on my text message that you said, yes, that disappointment and fear are here to now, but that there will be excitement and magic in the future. And it was like such a good reminder for me of that, that like, Yes, I am sad right now and I'm letting myself be sad right now, but excitement will be around the corner and I don't have to like jump into the excitement right now. I don't have to jump out of the sadness. Like it will still be there Um, because I think sometimes I get fearful of like, oh my God, but is the whole trip going to be ruined? Like um, this is a horrible start. And sure enough, the trip was insanely magical. Like it was just the second we just woke up the next day, everything just flowed so much yep. smoother. And the rest of the trip was absolutely seamless. Yeah. It was magical. It was yep. lovely. It was amazing. And I was pretty proud of myself for letting you myself. should be. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Yes. I'm Thank proud you. of you. And I'm glad. Thanks, friend. Thanks for being there in that moment and, and helping me remember that and just really, really thankful. Of course. Of course. Of course. It, it was easy. Mm. It was easy to be there. Um, I'm glad that you reached out and yeah, I mean, so I feel like whenever, um, our favorite 
aspects about the Enneagram comes up, you're the one who goes, takes it back to like relationships and how it's not just helpful for you as an individual to like be more aware of your own stuff and um, as a tool for growth, but also in your relationships. And I definitely think this is one of those situations, you know, because I know your type in the moment, like I knew how. I knew how hard that was. And I also knew how incredible it was for you to like be allowing yourself to feel it. So um, I am really proud of you. And I am so glad that the trip turned out to still be magical and amazing. Yes. Thank you. Yes. That's cool. It is so true. Like, it's kind of like the Enneagram sometimes almost gives you a script for the other person. It's like, oh, I know, I know what message is ringing loud in this person's ear. I know exactly what I probably need to say here. Um, Mm -hmm. And you nailed it. You nailed it. Thank you. <laughs> and what not to say. That's help. That's another way. Like, yeah. really, you know, what not to, what not to say. Um, yeah. If someone had said to me, like, it's okay. It's not that big of a deal or something. I probably would have been like, yeah, I, I, that just, it would have been a weird thing to say because I would have already been trying to get there. And, right. it wasn't, and then I would have been like, oh God, I'm not getting there. I'm actually really sad. Um, yeah. Good job, friend. Good job to you, too. Back at you. Back at you. And so then, yes, for you, how how did the Enneagram show up for you? Yeah, so we've been, it's um, the U.S. Open, and it's Serena's last, she's not embracing the word retirement, which is probably um, another way the Enneagram (laughs) shows up for me, because I don't like that word either. It doesn't, I don't. That doesn't resonate with me at all. So, but anyway, she's 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 wrapping things up. Um, and she had she's evolving. She had, she's about her her word has been evolution. Exactly. Um, so last night was uh her last, yeah, her last her last match with the US Open. She she lost. Um, and her it was an incredible three-hour match it was incredible so just watching it in itself and I know the whole world got excited I Mm -hmm. assume the whole world yeah Mm -hmm. was pretty excited I mean they were talking about it's something that everybody was talking about Mm -hmm. but the sheer I don't have any words for just like the emotion um y'all I mean we know I'm competitive I'm in my house alone like screaming at the top of my lungs um it was amazing but she did she lost and it was her interview her right at the end of the match um you could I could tell from probably the moment she walked over to her back like after the match was over got her towel you know was wiping herself off like you could see the emotion kind of building up um and I could tell that she wasn't she was going to try to fight it. Um, and so they actually started to have a conversation with her, started to interview her. And, you know, as she's thanking her parents, I think was what, what really um, was really the soft spot for her. You saw, the, you know, the tears started to flow. And she's like, these are happy tears, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> these are happy tears, I guess. <laughs> And it made it just made me laugh so hard. I don't know Serena's type. I'm not trying to type Serena, but to me that was a three moment, right? To 
for one, it's a very vulnerable moment. And you could see the discomfort with the vulnerability, despite the fact that, I mean, it was so valid for her to, it was vulnerable for all of us. But here, you know, you could see her trying to keep the composure and, um, but the, the vulnerability and the authenticity essentially eventually really shone through. And, uh, but it was so funny to me to watch all of that and to hear her try to chalk the tears up to joy when we know that she probably, you know, probably some other, I mean, you did just lose. So you probably had some other feelings. And it was sad. Um, And absolutely. Bye. Yeah. So, but that, that was um, really, really funny to me. And we talked before we started recording, definitely one of my joys from the week is to be able to witness um just her and all of her greatness and for the whole world to take that time and intention to really honor her and acknowledge all that she's been to us and will continue to because she's evolving evolution Let's jump into our two friends. Well, jump into talking about our two friends. Let's do it. So I'll start with just kind of a a brief overview of twos. We did a beautiful, very um, informed deep dive of twos in season one. So if you want more, go back to season one, check out episode six and learn much more about our two friends. But for now, just a reminder. Um, that twos that are referred to as um, helpers or givers, uh, they walk through life prioritizing relationships and making sure the people around them always feel well cared for and loved. They take a genuine interest in others and come alongside anyone in need through their acts of service, helpful advice, and nurture. Uh, the core motivations for twos at their core, they are very fearful of being rejected or unwanted, being thought of as worthless, needy, insignificant, dispensable, or unworthy of love. Their core desire is to be appreciated, loved, and wanted. Their core weakness is pride, which we'll get more into, but denying their own needs and emotions and using their amazing amazing intuition to discover and focus on the feelings and needs of others. They confidently insert their helpful support in hopes that others will say how grateful they are for their thoughtful care. And the core longing for twos is to know that they are wanted and loved. Yes, 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 yes. So, um, This season, we're jumping a little bit deeper into the Enneagram and talking about the holy ideas and the virtues for each number. And so the holy idea, remember, is when our number, when we can let go of the trick or the bar or the, um, the cage of our number, we, when we can let go of that, that steps us into another way of being. And for each number, there's something that when they'd step into something different, this is the, um, the, what they kind of want what they're striving for without their armor of their personality that's on. And so for twos, their holy idea, um, what they're striving for without the armor of their personality is freedom, the word freedom, um, and such a powerful word. 
Um, and what this means, it's this reality that you can flow autonomously without relying on yourself or anyone else, that rest is possible because they do not need validation and love to be whole so that they're able to sit down and rest and that their wholeness already exists. Um, I just think it's so, so beautiful of an idea. Um, and what we kind of thought about with this holy idea of freedom is this place that um, there is enough of something that a two doesn't have to feel like they have to give it to others in a sense that then denies them of the thing. So we thought of breath um, and air that um, there is enough air for all of us to breathe and to be able to sustain life. There's not a shortage of breath or air um, that we all can go through life breathing. And I don't need somebody else to breathe for me um, to give me more breath. I have enough breath and I don't need somebody else to deny their breath um, so that they can help me. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't need them to hold their breath. I don't need to hold my breath. There's enough breath for all of us to breathe. Mm -hmm. Um, And that that alone is that freedom of we don't have to go through life or two wouldn't have to go through life concerned with am I going to have enough breath to breathe? And are they going to have enough breath to leave, to breathe? Mm. There's enough. Um, and that there's a wholeness in that, that I can be whole in that place. It doesn't mean anything about me if I do hold my breath or not hold my breath or <laughs> anything that has nothing to do with my worth. Um, and so that's that freedom of just being able to walk through life breathing and knowing that other people are going to breathe and that I'm going to breathe. We're all going to be good. Yeah. So when we lose sight of this, when we are kind of over-identifying with our personality type, when we are holding on to that bar really, really tight and not trying to let go um, for twos, losing sight of the holy idea leads to the fixation, which is flattery. And that's an ego-led need to be filled up and for others to recognize that and express appreciation because the universe does not flow freely. And without their kind actions, the world would fall apart. Mm. And so I can just attest to like what it's like to witness a two in this space and how much how much their confidence is impacted um especially in comparison to when you see a two tapped into the holy idea i mean it's like it gives me yeah it gives me chills just thinking about it um Mm -hmm. that yeah there's there's this there's a there's an absence of 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 confidence when twos are really fixated um and stuck on this need for others to see what all they bring to mm-hmm. relationships. And it's like what they really are, um, what they really are after is is confidence. Um, mm-hmm. They do, they want to, they want to feel a sense of like all of us worth and value. And so falling for this trick that in order to do that, 
there has to be this preoccupation and focus on other people versus giving themselves the permission to um, have a sense and prioritizing their own needs and wants and how they can allow for others to pour into them, how they can um, be in a position where they receive and they're not always doing and giving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Um, And on the flip side, when they are able to tap into this holy idea of um, freedom, what exudes from twos, this really beautiful thing that exudes from them is the, is the word humility. And what we mean by that in this sense is that it's this complete honesty about themselves and how that self is lovable and acceptable. So it's a recognition that I am lovable and acceptable and I'm honest about that. And I don't have this inflated sense of being needed. That's that flattery piece. I don't have the inflated sense of being needed, nor do I have a deflated sense of having needs. I have needs just as much as other people have needs. And I'm not going to um, inflate or deflate that. And from that place, when they are being like when they're able to exude humility, they're able to respond to real needs from themselves and from others, which is a really important part, without thinking that being in service is how you earn love. Mm -hmm. Um, There's certain sentences like that people sometimes will get tripped up on. And one of them is, um, I am I am loved because of what I do for others. And twos, that's that's their sort of trick, um, is that I am loved because of what I do for others. And tapping into their holy idea and exuding this piece of humility would be able to say, no, I am loved because I am me. Sometimes I have needs. Sometimes other people have needs. And I don't have to earn love by either denying my needs or overly caring for other people's needs. Um, And that is a really helpful way to go through life. And what Kim was saying with the confidence connection, listen, people out here, it's hard to, it would be really hard if I'm putting all of my worth in somebody else's hands, because sometimes people don't need something. Sometimes people don't want to thank me for needing something like for helping them. Sometimes (laughs) there's a lot of things that could go wrong with that equation of I'm only loved if I, for what I do for others, I might be, I'm going to come at that with a from a deficit place. I'm not going to be overflowing all the time with how much I'm loved because there might be times that it doesn't work like that. Because at the end of the day, going back to the holy idea, there's enough breath, like there's enough there um, that it doesn't have to rely on you to be the one to give it. Mm-hmm. 100. 100. So, um, so when twos lose touch with the virtue, um, they fall into pride, which is the passion. And it's this, like Camilla's mentioned, self-inflation of um, their importance and their abilities, um, especially, again, as it relates to their relationships and being able to we, I think we touched on this in season one. I, I, I always kind of describe it as this, it is it's an impeccable, it almost looks like a superpower for mm-hmm. her to, to like innately have an awareness of what other people need. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so it's both this self-inflation and then also a deflation of their own needs. So twos can look like 
being so tapped in, attuned and aware of what other people need and they don't have any, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I, and it's, and so it's, it's important here for, for twos to realize that that is tied to this need going back to, um, the longing for twos to know that they're wanted and loved is like this need to feel indispensable. Mm. Um, because if, if you are, um, if you're not needed, twos can mess around and believe that that means I don't have worth. I don't have value. I'm not loved. And so, um, yes, yeah, it's, it's important for twos to keep this in check. Like you've already mentioned, there will be times where you won't be needed. And it, and it's not because you're not loved. It's just literally because you can't be the one to do everything for everybody. I mean, it, it's, it's just, that's not, that's not the way it works. And it's so, it's so important for twos to be aware of, to not deflate your needs, to be aware of what your needs are. Um, okay. I know we're going to get into more of that a little bit later as far as like practically why it's so important, but yeah. um, I, I, that's I, how, that's how pride can show up for twos. As we're talking about this, I'm thinking of so many of my clients who are women um, and some of them are choosing, some of them aren't, but how that shows up for a lot of women who are mothers, um, just that idea of the being needed. And I think that so for my, for my women who are moms, who are twos, that can get really tricky in the relationship of like mother and child, because um, there's a pride in being needed um, and there's a comfort for them in being needed. Um, and then there's a, there's a, there is a societal message around sacrifice, being a sacrificial mom. And, um, you know, just that's part of this really weird narrative that we have about motherhood. Yeah. Um, but then there is the reality, like one day your kid's going to grow up, um, and they're, they're not going to need you as much as they did when they were a baby. Um, and you, like, I loved how you said like twos can mess around with that and get to a place of like, oh my gosh, does that mean that I'm not loved? Does that mean that I'm not a good mom? Does that mean, and, and that can really like really capture their, not capture, but puncture their like core heart space. And that's, that's dangerous and tricky. And so being able to really get to a place of like, I am not loved because what I do, I'm loved because I'm me. And there's enough here for who I'm with and who, and for myself there's enough. Yeah. 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 Like not paying attention to that. You're left with this belief again, that it all has to be on you in order for the world to not be, you know, in this, in a, in a, in suffering. And it is, you know, the, the world, the, it's, the world is full of it. And so again, this like preoccupation, preoccupation with having to be me a two that alleviates the world of its suffering i mean you totally miss the fact that there are other people mm. in the world who have gifts and skills and um talents to help so it doesn't have to all be you and also sometimes it's necessary going back to the example about like a mom and a child sometimes it's necessary for a mom to watch a child like figure it out Mm-hmm. It's to their benefit as a child to figure it out, to not have mom or dad or grandma or whoever swoop in and kind of do it for them. And so that can be um, yeah. helpful for and twos to remember. What you just said about like, there's, there is suffering in the world. 
um, and that there's other people that can help. But then there's also like, and you might have suffering that you need help with. Um, and so if we're always focused on, oh my gosh, what does everybody else need? We might forget that, oh, I actually need rest or I need food or I need a hug or I need um, whatever I need. But if, so that's that other piece of like, it gives you the ability to step back from what other people need all the time. There's enough, there's other people, but it also gives you the ability to say, and I have needs too. And they're just as important to be tended to. Um, mm-hmm. It's really um it's really tough. But again, when they can get to that place of humility or again, that beautiful word of freedom, like just the freedom from that, it's, it's gorgeous to be able to autonomously flow through life, knowing that there is enough and that wholeness already exists, um, is, is beautiful. Hey, so a part of our hope is to really connect with you guys. So we want to know what you're getting from this and what you want to learn more about on this podcast. You can connect with Camille on Instagram at camille.logan.lcmhc. And you can find Kim on Instagram at kreeslcsw. And you can follow us both on Instagram at Enneagram for the Culture. We've dropped the links in the show notes, so check those out too. And while you're there, go ahead and bless us with a rating and a review. Subscribe so you can be notified when our new episodes drop weekly and share this with someone you know. We'll see you around. Yeah, like I said, when I um when I witnessed some of my two clients be tapped into this, like um tapped into that holy idea, I feel like I can recall some clients actually using the word flow. Yes. I mean, yes. it's like a, it's just like, a, and it does, it gives me chills every time. It's so incredibly different from how it looks when they're so fixated on um, others. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's just this, there's, there's this confidence that's, it's so inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. So um what and how does this this show up for Black twos in particular? We kind of took a detour on how it shows up for for women and mothers, but um, for Black twos, um, one of the things, and we talked about this definitely in season one, but again, just this continuation of um, for Black twos, there can be these narratives about being the strong and selfless one. Um, and that can get in the way of having an awareness of our own needs. And we talked a lot in season one about that term mummification. Um, and not that that's a real thing that a lot of black women, um, have to fight against or or push back against, um, is that there is a societal, um, mummification of black women sometimes. And a lot of times, and that the other word that I've recently heard someone use is, is emotional Sherpa, um, that I, that some, that black women or black people can sometimes be the emotional Sherpa, the one that's care Sherpa is someone that carries all the stuff. Um, the person that is carrying all the stuff for a group or a family or a workplace, um, that, that, that sometimes falls on, on the black people. And it is very easy for society to put black people into that role black women in particular, but then it's also it sometimes is something that we slip into. And so for black twos who already are structured the way that we just talked about, um, being really, really cognizant of not slipping into it, noticing when other people put you there, um, and being able to say like, whoa, 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 
that doesn't feel good, or this is making me deny my needs, or this is a lot that all is just all of a sudden on me. Um, and that's not, that's not fair. Mm -hmm. Definitely agree. Um, we have so many, we have so many narratives that we can struggle with surrounding, um, this, this notion of like, you know, our strength Mm -hmm. and how, if we are strong, that that has to also equal selflessness. Mm -hmm. And I hope that we can embrace a very different perspective of that, Mm -hmm. that to, to know when to be selfish, um, as a part of your care, as a part of your Mm -hmm. resilience, as a part of how you do care for your Mm -hmm. community and your family, um, that there's no shame in that and that we are deserving of that. Um, I hope that we can learn to embrace that as a part of our strength. Mm -hmm. Um, and also just being more okay with that time, like not always being freaking strong. I did not want to stay freaking. I wanted to say another F word. I just want you to know that that's really how I feel about that. Like we don't always have to be strong. Like there's um, more than one thing can be true. Mm -hmm. We can be strong and sensitive and weak and needy. All of those things can coexist. Yeah. I'm also thinking about, um, we didn't talk about this last season, but it's coming up for me. It's bubbling up. Um, You know how it's such a real experience because this happens where we talk about you or it's experienced like white women tears um, and how I'm like getting mad um, how like you could be in a conversation with a white person woman and they start crying about whatever racism or whatever. And then as the black person, it's that's the mummification. That's what, that's what that is, is when that happens, it's basically the white person, woman, asking the black person to now soothe your tears um, and to be the emotional Sherpa for the way that you feel right now in this situation. And no. (laughs) (laughs) What came after that? And, and that was perfect. No, like a Beyonce. No, like that. (laughs) (laughs) No. And it is not mine. Like I'm, I'm like putting my hand up of like, no, that is yeah. not mine. And I will not take it because I already got my own stuff. And this is again, story of a two. I already got my own stuff to deal with. I already got my own pain. I already got my own suffering. And if I push my suffering down to take care of your suffering, and then that somehow makes me feel better, or that makes me think that you like me more. No, 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 no. Just no. <laughs> Just no. So for black twos, and I don't know, I'm not a, I'm not a black two. So I don't know what white women tears sound, feel like to black twos. I don't know if it is a real struggle for me. It's I'm a no, it is a no. Um, and I'm pretty good at being no. And I can imagine that you're very good at the no. Um, but I don't know. So black twos, if you have to chime in here, like I would, I would actually want to know, like, what does it feel like for you to be in front of white women tears? Um, is that hard? Or is it, are you able to be like, no, um, I'm curious. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Do you have a guess? Um, 
my guess would be that, yeah, depending on the person that it probably still is hard because yeah, like we're saying, there's this, there's this attachment to being needed and supportive. Yep. Helpful to a sense of like worth and being loved themselves. And so I I could see that being hard, right? Even, even in that dynamic, when you as a black woman in all of your glory, you know, with all of your own um, needs and emotions and experiences interact with a white woman who is emoting tears, I can absolutely see a struggle with a black too not going into, you know, supportive, giving, helpful mode. So freedom, um, we love that word. It's important. Freedom is important to Black people. Yeah, especially um, to Black people and especially to Black people in this country. Um, You know, there is there more and more research being done on epigenetics and Mm -hmm. how trauma truly is passed down um, from generation to generation. And so, you know, being Black in this country and with so many of our systems, practices, policies, everything being rooted in slavery, which would be the opposite of freedom. Um, I think all of that really speaks to why it's something that is so, um, it's so important to us. It means so much to us. And so in the context of twos, um, in the same way that freedom is accessible to twos, being aware as Black people, how at times freedom is accessible to us as individuals. Now, hold on, I'm not, we're not disregarding or dismissing all of the stuff, the issues, the racism, the policies that do still serve as barriers and oppressive um, spaces and experiences for us that impact freedom, and especially in comparison to people who are not black. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, as individuals, being aware of ways that we get in our own way of experiencing freedom. And so, like we're saying for twos, it can be in the form of losing sight of your own needs, what's best for you, how you feel, and getting super focused on other people, how you end up missing out on um, access to freedom, how Black people in general, how we can all be aware of what ways, um, how we may think, how we may talk to ourselves, some of the things that we may do that can have the same effect on us, get in our way of of being able to access freedom. Yeah. Yeah. It's, It's basically you're saying like, Yes, sometimes the barriers to freedom are put, not sometimes, a lot of times the barriers to freedom are put on us, but then also the recognition that sometimes we can get in our own way and put barriers on ourselves 
there is a uh, lopsidedness to that. Like, <laughs> like there's more probably from the outside than the inside, but just something for us to be aware of is that there are times that we do put our own barriers on freedom and for twos, especially like what, what am I doing that sometimes isn't freeing for me? Um, mm-hmm. So we talked about this a, uh, a little already when we were talking about the passion um, and pride for, for twos, um, how I've seen that show up for black twos is, is it can just, when you ask, well, what do you need? It can be like, a mm-hmm. just like a, a blank stare, like really out of touch, out of practice of just like having that awareness of, of what your needs are. Um, and so that's part one. Part two um, is then knowing how to like advocate for those needs. So it's a, it can be a lot of work, very uncomfortable, very challenging for, for twos, Black twos to be aware of what your needs are. Again, just because you can be so used to, to being so aware of what everyone else needs. Um, and then step two, it can be really challenging to speak up and ask for help, ask for what you need. Um, because again, there's this fear that if I'm not the one who is giving, if I'm not the one who is supporting, if I'm not the one who's helping, then I'm not going to get love. So, um, it's almost like a light bulb that you can see go off when you help twos realize, you know how good it feels for you to be pouring into other people, right? How that is an act of love for you to pour into others. Did you realize that like people want to do the same, people who love you, they want to do the same thing. So we may have touched on this in season one, for twos to realize that that in itself is an act of love to allow people that love you to love on you. Because in the same way you get so much out of loving on others, um, you're taking that away from the people in your life when you always have to be in a position to be the one who is doing or providing for. So that work of being aware of what your needs are. And then step two, um, practicing asserting yourself and asking for help, um, making those needs known can be challenging, but it's, it's, it's important work. Yeah. So with all this, right, like how do we apply it all? Um, and I kind of want to do something a little different. Um, we, you know, we're saying all this stuff about freedom and and needs. And so as we're all listening right now, I just kind of want us to, wherever you are, you're driving or cleaning or just doing whatever in your in your space, I want you to just stop for a second. Um, and I want you to just take a deep breath in and just kind of settle in this little moment. And I just want you to think about that word freedom, what it means to you, what it connotates, what it feels like. And then if you were to imagine what a day would look like if the main word of the day was freedom and the day exuded a sense of freedom. 
who are you with on that day? Who are you not with on that day? What are you doing? What's your body feel like? What are your thoughts like? What does a day of freedom look like to you? Taking that in, taking a deep breath in. And then just returning to whatever you were doing and noting what came up, where you were, what you were doing. And then the practical application of that would be, let's go do it. (laughs) Or if we can't, right? Sometimes we have these beautiful visions of it would be a spa day for seven hours and it would be lovely. And we think, oh crap, I can't do that because I've got life. But maybe how can I tone it down then, right? So what Maybe it means that I take a little bit longer of a shower today. Yeah. Um, maybe it means that I do put on my robe that is fluffy and I do that, do my housework around in my robe because it feels nice. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it means that I put on spa music in the house because it just like creates that atmosphere. So whatever your day of freedom looks like, again, I, we recognize that like the realistic nature is life is hard and that we can't always do that. But what would be the small ways that I can create spots of freedom or that feeling of freedom in my life and in my relationships. Hey y'all, it's Kim again. I know, I know, I'm getting, I'm, I'm, I'm been real chatty. Um, <laughs> I won't be before you long, this is gonna be really quick. I just had to say, you know, I know we've said uh, before that we have some incredible listeners and we do. Y'all are incredible listeners. Our, our audience has grown, we are deep now, we have people even listening internationally. Um, We literally have people who are listening from all over the world. Um, But y'all are also great listeners because you know what? Y'all follow instructions. You do. I came to you a few episodes ago and I asked you to check out what's going on over at ME and you have, you've been subscribing, you're telling your girls. And so I just, I appreciate that y'all are incredible listeners. Um, You know, we're headed into the latter part of this year and it's, it's on my heart to get started right away. So I want to extend an invitation to a very, a small group of women um, for a very specific purpose, uh, for a fraction of the cost to celebrate the launch of um, the courses and coaching that's gonna be coming out of the Melanated Enneagram and to get us ready for what is to come in the new year. So if you're a black woman, and you have a purpose in your heart, um, but you are or have been struggling with motivation, right? And that can look like disappointment, fear, maybe you tired, sis. Um, Or maybe you find yourself wanting to get back to a certain time or energy or version of yourself in order for you to move forward. If this sounds like you, I want to work with you now. Um, This is a time-limited thing. I'm only offering a few slots. This is one-on-one time with me for two 60-minute sessions, like I said, with very specific outcomes that we're going to tackle here. And it's going to be for half the price of my one-on-one coaching services. If this is something you're interested in, two things. I want you to subscribe if you haven't already. And then I want you to hit me up. Shoot me a DM on the Melanated Enneagram or shoot me a text. I'm gonna put that information in the show notes. Let's go. 
self. So y'all know at this point, we talk about self-care a lot. Camille and I are both therapists and it's a whole thing. We love it and we teach people how to do it. And we try to make sure we practice what we preach and we try to do it ourselves as much as we can. Right, Camille? Yeah, I, lo- I love self-care. Oh, yeah. Yeah, tell me so, twice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one of my favorite tools to use to help clients with um, kind of at the onset of our therapeutic relationship and learning how to use self-care as a tool during our work together is an, a self-care assessment. There's a free one on therapistaid.com mm-hmm. um, and it's great. It breaks self-care down into categories. Um, I love this assessment. Um, I tell everybody, we'll listen about it. And so uh, this practically mm-hmm. is a beautiful tool for anyone. But again, especially for our twos who can, it can be harder to know what it means to care for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this tool as a starting place. So self-care assessment um, and then also some type of um, uh, formal maybe piece of paper that gives you permission to care for yourself. So a permission slip. Camille and I did a, a training a few years ago in um in Asheville with two therapists who use the Enneagram um in practice and this was one of the exercises that they mentioned doing in practice especially with twos is to take a time take the time um to draw different things that you like to do mm-hmm. to care for yourself or maybe different things that you want you don't maybe you don't know that you like to do it because you haven't been doing it. So it might be something that you are interested in exploring as a way to care for yourself, but to try to get all of those things on a piece of paper and write down that you always have permission to do it Mm -hmm. and um, keeping that image somewhere, even if you just take a picture of it and have it in your phone, but but to, to continue to have access to that permission slip because it is it may seem really small. It may seem um, kind of like like menial, like, but it, I assure you, I've seen it be so effective and clutch when twos can lose sight of the fact that you really do have all of the permission, all of the right. You're so valid in prioritizing your self care. Um, twos can struggle with this. And I think I see this, especially with black twos who are women, this notion of it being a selfish act Mm -hmm. to prioritize taking care of yourself. And so with that, I'm like, all right, well, if you need permission to be selfish, take that, Mm -hmm. um, take it. So, um, those two tools, so clutch for twos, strongly, strongly recommend it practically. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the permission slip is so good. And um, 
before I jump into the permission stuff, I was thinking about that way you said, I feel like it's selfish. I don't want to do it because I think I'm being selfish. What I've started doing is kind of breaking that word down for people and asking them, what does it mean to be selfish? And a lot of times what actually comes up the way that they would define the word selfish is it would be selfish for me to like put others down, or it would be selfish for me to hoard something and keep it from somebody else. That would be selfish. Um, and so then when I think about you taking rest or you, um, taking a day off or you not going and helping other people when they're actually okay, that that's actually not selfish. That does, you're not pushing anybody down in that moment. You're not hoarding anything for yourself when others have lack going back to that freedom place. There's enough air. There's, um, you don't have to push it down for you so that somebody else has, doesn't has it. Um, so the opposite would be true that if you're being selfish, um, it's not quite, it's, I wish we had a different word for it. It's almost like it's two different things. Like, cause there are some things in this world that are selfish, but I don't know if resting or, you know, something, some of those things are selfish if it's not keeping something from somebody else or pushing somebody else down. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. And I think that that, however we can figure out how to reframe it. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's um, such a, that or to, or to not be such a negative connotation Mm -hmm. um I had a client this came up with a client recently and I was like well I mean you're you're paying me to help you learn how to be more selfish if one of your goals is for you to show up in therapy and work on boundaries and not being a people pleaser Mm -hmm. um and so again however we package it for us to get to a place of you know just being more okay with prioritizing ourselves again as a means of like resilience and mm-hmm. ultimately it absolutely it trickles down you know when we're well we're in a better position to take care of our relationships and our people um but when we're not you know they're gonna suffer too yeah yeah I um saw this, this thing recently as well, that was basically saying is on Instagram. Um, and it said, um, a little switch. And I really liked it was you don't have to, maybe you don't always have to put yourself first, but you at least need to put yourself in the equation. Um, and I think that that's also really helpful for twos because it might be too much of a stretch to go to putting yourself first, but at least check in with yourself on what do I think about this situation? What do I feel about this situation? Um, how does this affect me? Where am I at in this situation? Because a lot of times, again, the two-ness will say, I don't even matter in this situation. My needs don't even have a voice in this situation. So there's no way we can get to putting yourself first. It might just be like, I just need to attune to myself in this situation and then make a decision. And that kind of leads us into like, for twos, a practical application is really that time alone regularly, because that's where you're going to be able to put yourself online and put yourself on the in the situation. What do I need? What do I want? And then you can even tie in a great little practice. Love it. We love it. We love a cheesy ritual. I love a cheesy ritual. You can have your little five minutes of time alone, and then you can have your little permission slip that you write for the day. And then that's your little permission slip that you said, I have permission to go to the gym today. I have permission to, you know, turn off my computer at this time. Um, I have permission to not feel like I have to cook for the entire week for the entire family, right? Like whatever you identified in that alone time that you're putting yourself, not necessarily first, but just in the equation, go ahead and write yourself a permission slip for that. 
Um, but you're not going to get to those things if you don't spend time alone. Because for twos, and I think we talked about this on season one, twos are, again, so magically attuned to other people. Um, so magically attuned to, um, and we've heard that it's really immediate, that the second that somebody else enters in the room, it is, oh, I'm 100% thinking about what they need or want. And so that's something that twos have to work against a little bit sometimes. Um, and so having that time alone to say, okay, what do I need and want today? Um, and so you can actually access it. Absolutely. Well yeah. said. And then with that time alone, right? It might, what might come up is like, what are my boundaries that I have for, what do I have? What boundaries do I have? Um, and setting those ahead of time, because in the moment it's going to be hard to think of that boundary. Um, or it's going to be hard to implement that boundary if I haven't already identified the boundary for myself. Um, and so setting boundaries, knowing them, setting them ahead of time, um, so that you can actually implement it. Yeah. Um, that's a really, really good practical, like tip or application to consider and going back to the spending time alone. Um, I see how those are kind of connected. Um, just, I mean, I think we made it, we've made it clear, but to just reiterate too, it can be hard, it can be really hard to pay attention to your own needs or even feelings at times. Mm -hmm. So that separation can really give you the space to pay attention to just you. And so, um, and get clear on what you're needing what you're wanting or what the, what boundaries need to look like because by the time you're in this situation you know if there are other people involved in the moment like Camille said it's going to be it's going to be really really hard yeah so, really to have those things already established it's going to be um to your benefit yeah and also I always say this to folks that time alone I get it life is hard we have responsibilities it's moving time is an issue that little freedom thing that we did right now, that took like a minute, two minutes. Um, so we're not saying time alone needs to be an hour. Doesn't need to be a half an hour. It doesn't even have to be 20 minutes. It could literally be two to five minutes. That's it. Just a little bit longer in the shower, a little bit of quiet time in the car before you step out into your job. Like just that little moment of what, what do I need today? If you can stretch it to 20 minutes, we are going to be very excited. Um, but we also recognize that like life doesn't always move like that um, and doesn't allow those 20 minutes. And so it really can just be two to five minutes of just checking in with yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah, maybe phone a friend. Phone a friend, <laughs> get your people involved because then you can tell them, hey, I said today I'm going to the gym. Or I said today that I'm not going to X, Y, and Z. Or I said today that I'm going to blah, blah, blah. Tell somebody so that they can keep you accountable to it so that they can remind you and be like, hey, I thought you said that you were going to try and, you know, go to bed early this week because um, you said that you were tired. Um, and they can be that reminder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess this would be for, maybe this is kind of for twos, but it's mostly for people who are in relationship with twos. It's maybe a little caution mm. to, if you're going to try to be your twos accountability partner without being asked. 
that is real to be aware um we talked about like we've said a few times go back to season one learn more about twos we're talking about how twos are so loving so giving so supportive so helpful but twos can they can have their prickly moments like all of us Mm -hmm. and it's it's something to try to like help to be aware of maybe their need for boundaries again when they have not solicited or tapped you to be an accountability partner so i'm not i i I ain't saying don't do it but if you are going to do it just be prepared this happens all the time with my mom who is a two and has not asked me one time to be her accountability partner and helping her like with her boundaries but yet you know I'm her daughter and I see it and so sometimes I do I insert and try to like help her realize hey you said you were gonna slow down hey you said you were not gonna do this thing for this church member today you were just gonna take care of yourself and to insert that again when it hasn't been asked it can get prickly so not saying that they don't need it um but Twos, it's helpful if you can recognize the need for that, like Camille was saying, and actually establish that, you know, in some of your relationships where, um, you know, you may need some additional help with being held accountable. And then for those of us who love twos, just know that that can be a slippery slope. Prickly one, too. Yeah, prickly. Prickly, slippery slope. We can always, I mean, a suggestion for the folks on the outside that are not the two, you can always ask for consent. Like, you can, be, you can always ask. be like, hey, can I offer... Can I, can I ask, can I offer some thoughts around what you're telling me? Or is it okay if I did that? And they might say no. And we definitely say no. No means no. Right. And so when someone says no, you say, okay, and you back it up. Um, But so you can always ask, but twos, you can also like, why am I thinking about dub somebody? Is that the right word? Dub somebody as your accountability partner. Mm and then they will know that you've already given consent that they can they can tell you when they feel like hey you said you weren't going to do this and it can still be prickly and it's <laughs> <laughs> that's all right yeah that's all right that's so those are our two friends freedom such a good word yeah indeed i definitely thought about beyonce splashing around in water with kendrick lamar in my visualization from her when I saw her perform I know. I mean, you're, you're bringing me back to a very like happy core memory um yeah mm, that was a good concert do you think uh, she's gonna go back out like are we gonna is, or is she gonna is she tired family stuff now like no there'll be a concert It'll be a concert. I know. I told my friend who's also a really big Beyonce person. I just randomly when Renaissance came out, I said, we better start. We got to start like putting money aside. Yo, now. coins together now. Get your coins together. Really, if you if you're just getting if you just getting it together now, you, you're behind. I mean, you should have known. But it's not, it's not going to be cheap. Things no, it's not going to be cheap. And it doesn't. Whole purse out the window. Turn it upside down. Whatever's in it, Beyonce, you got it. Whatever's in it, you got it. I've got to be there. Got to be in there. We'll be in there. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm claiming it. I hope it's a. I hope it works with my schedule. I hope it works with my finances. I don't care. Schedule. I'll quit. I'll I'll quit. I'll quit. And I will be homeless. 
I will sell all of my sneakers. <laughs> Whatever it takes. I'll be there. I, I 100% believe you. I know. This is you not because I, I mean it. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why we love you. Um, all right, friends. All right. Thank y'all. you. But that's it for today. We'll see you in our next episode. See you on the next episode.